Okay. Okay. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Charlotte. How are you? I'm super good, thanks very much. Good. Um, what should we do? Shall we? Shall we? Shall we introduce ourselves? Yeah. Shall we validate our existence for our audience? Yeah. <laughs> <Are we> like, <laughs> shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Shall we uh, illustrate our credentials? Uh, upon the subject of the podcast so that people think that we might know what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. I feel like I don't need to justify myself. <laughs> no, uh, although I'm being sent into mild panic, like it's some kind of icebreaker thing where you go around the circle and everyone's like, oh, tell God, me something interesting yeah. about yourself. Now that is a thing that happens in every rehearsal room day one. Hello, I'm Trevor <laughs> and... I'm playing the part of Cedric. You can only talk when you have the football. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it across the circle. I don't want to throw it. I don't want to throw it. I don't want to catch it. I don't want to throw it. (laughs) Hello, Cedric. I'm Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got six toes. Great. Okay. Yeah. Do you think how many actors have six toes? Uh, Not as a percentage, how many? Specifically, yeah. <laughs> I think there's about forty-two. Forty-two actors, forty-two yeah. professional working actors, yeah. have six toes. Yeah, I think it's less. Mm. Never really thought about it. Unless, unless we include pornography, in which case, much higher. Right. Okay. I I reckon that's a any yeah it's, it's, it's probably a thing. It must be. It's probably a thing. <laughs> but for normal acting. Normal acting. As opposed to non-pornographic tento acting. Tento acting. Tento acting <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> eleven toe acting or indeed twelve. Like we well, it could be. I mean, so much more versatile. It could be with twelve. Well. I mean, less likely to fall over. True. Do you think that people with six toes, like, can move that sixth one, like, as much, or is it like, is it like a kind of... It's just there. Like a dumb toe that can't really do anything. Uh, I don't know. Depends if it's connected to tendons, I guess. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Do you think it's connected to tendons? Well, I do don't you... know. Probably not. Do you not think... I feel like... Assuming not. Where would a sixth toe be? Would it be on the end, or which e- which end would it be? I think it would be on the outside. On the outside. By the, by the pinky toe. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, harder to push over. Yeah. Wider. <laughs> just space. Go around testing. It. <laughs> I'm just gonna push you. Uh, if you do fall over, that means you don't have six toes. Yeah. But if you. If you stay standing, I suspect that it's like some kind of you have a a podiatry uh, deformity. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. This is an important issue to discuss. It's a burning question. Burning, burning issue. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Hi everyone. <laughs> to the uh, the. Uh, the How to Fail at Acting podcast. Yeah. My name is Tom. I refuse to justify my position on the podcast. 
Uh, I'm just Tom. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I am Charlotte. And also don't feel the need to justify myself, but I'm an actor. And Tom said we should do a podcast. And I thought, well, yeah, why not? So that's why I'm here. Well done you <laughs> for making that decision. It was the correct one. Yes. So we are going to talk about acting and how to fail at it and how we have continued to <laughs> fail at it. Um, and mm. like the, I imagine that there will be moments of success as well. Mm-hmm. Um We've both had kind of not long exactly, but we've both had quite a few years doing this in some manner to some degree on some professional level. Um, But we still, I suppose, count ourselves both early in our Mm. in our in our journeys in our journeys in our journeys we are early in our acting journeys correct um charlotte you um largely just concentrate on acting though don't you largely professionally yes. professionally i try and write but i am by no means a professional writer well i mean so I don't. I don't think writing's a really a profession anyway. How rude! It's quite rude. It is obviously. Um, uh, I only say that because I do that. Yeah. Um, so anything that I do, of course, is a legitimate profession. <laughs> anything that other people do, <laughs> it's just it's just nonsense. Don't it's need it. Just a hobby. It's just a hobby. I went to see an old friend of mine the other day, and I told him. Uh, just kind of the basic kind of nuts and bolts of my life and, and how like more of my earnings is coming from art uh, these days mm. and you know I've, I've got this and I've done I've done that and I'm and I've, and I've kind of I've, I've achieved a funding that <laughs> that's been a big step this year I've got yeah. some I've got some legitimate public funding for yeah. work that work that I'm doing well, and he said Wow, that's amazing, especially considering you just do it for fun. Ah, <gasps> uh, oh, it's like a punch to the stomach. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I lived with you for three years and you never saw inside my soul, did you? <laughs> you never saw the pain no. and the anger and the resentment and the hatred. <laughs> desperation as I claw my way through my career <laughs> it's okay because I just oh. do it for fun <laughs> nevertheless he was very pleased for me so yeah, that's good. very very nice mm. uh, anyway uh, what were we saying um how we failed oh yeah succeeded all at the same time yeah we we failed and we've succeeded and everything I think everything we do kind of has elements of both I suppose doesn't it mm. um so we thought we would begin to actually talk about um like what it's like trying to be uh 
I hesitate to use any phrase that's been used before because they always seem a little bit kind of unsavoury to me, but I suppose for want of a better phrase, what's it like to be a jobbing actor uh, mm. like yourself? I mean, you say you try to write, but you, you don't see yourself a professional writer. I think that I think your endeavours so far, uh, Charlotte and I have been collaborating on some work. Um, that's that's very exciting, and I think that's something that 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 we will continue to pursue that, and I think you should absolutely continue mm. to uh, pursue that because, well, if nothing else, I've found the most success um, as an artist when I'm making my own work. Yeah, and it is something that you have to try to do at some point in your career Mm. um just to see if it's if it works for you yeah and just to have that that control of what you're doing as well yeah yeah i think a lot of people start making their own work because because they grow very resentful of the grind of of trying to do other people's work yeah so i suppose the first question is what's that grind like how do you stay balanced when you are dealing with rejection kind of as a as a part of your regular routine mm. and how do you cope with the validation of of getting something because it seems that it seems that if you put too much stock in either of those things you're in danger of getting very unbalanced mm. So how do you how do you cope with that? Um I think I I'm not 100% sure because I think actually the further on in my career that I've got I've found myself becoming more and more unbalanced really? and not dealing with rejection as well as I used to. But um I think it's just a case of you know, like when you, when you go to an audition, you have no choice but to leave the room and just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Close the door and carry on because you will just drive yourself insane otherwise. Yeah. And yeah. I know everybody says that, and but it's true. It's, you know, you can't, you can't dwell on that. You've done everything that you can do. And I think that's it. You just, you make sure that you do the work that you are supposed to have done. Yeah, you prepare yourself. Yeah. yeah, to give yourself the best shot, and if it's not you, then it's not you, and it doesn't matter because there will be something that is you. Yeah, that's the um, that's the thing that I've always kind of been been told that kind of ninety nine percent of the time, casting directors or, or directors whoever you see in that room, um, they don't necessarily know exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. They might know it when they see it. But it just turns out wasn't you. Yeah. And as long as you are you, because you can't go mis-selling yourself, mm-hmm. because they'll see straight through it. Mm. Um, that's really all you can do. Yeah, I think it's the same. I mean, it translates to just your ordinary life. You can only offer you. You can't offer anything else. So yeah, why do that? Absolutely, it goes the same for directing as well. Yeah. You can't when when you're a director when you're trying to offer. Um, uh, an actor or actors kind of the all of the things they need to get through whatever you're trying to make them do mm-hmm. you can't do that as anybody else you can't you can't 
whatever methods you employ, you're still doing it as you, and you can't not do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important, I suppose, as an actor to accept that about yourself. Yeah. I know what I'm selling, and I'm comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. That's, I suppose, that's really important. Yeah. And there will be somebody else... Not all the time, but there will be somebody else who is comfortable with what you're selling as well yeah. and say, well, that's, you know, that's what yeah. I want. But so. if you're not comfortable with what you're selling, nobody's going to buy discomfort. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it's finding ways to deal with not knowing as well. And I don't know whether it's an element of denial of like, oh, well, they didn't get back to me. Mm -hmm. So... I just wasn't right for it, mm -hmm. rather than thinking oh, it's because I wasn't good enough, or yeah. you know some kind of personal reason. Um, yeah, you can only work on yourself for yourself. I think you can't um, if you're beholden to the feedback of um, people who audition you, then you'll never know who you are mm. because they'll they'll all say different largely fatuous things about you that are completely unhelpful mm -hmm. and often they'll just be saying it to say something yeah <laughs> um, yeah just because they were asked or because they felt like they should yeah. and it's 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 pointless are you one of those people that has always kind of suffered with that anxiety of when you walk away from a situation or when you uh, when when anything that has any kind of kind of social high stakes, mm. you walk away from that and you and you worry about it and you think I got it wrong, I, I I should have done this, I could have done this, all of all of all of that stuff. Does that does that generally as a reflex sit in your head? Is that something you have to fight? Yeah, I think there's been lots of auditions where I've come away and I thought, oh, why did I? Why did I say that line like that? That doesn't even make sense. Why did I do that? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that's that's part and parcel of actually auditioning and being in the room and, you know, taking direction. Mm -hmm. If you're completely off the vibe that they're looking for, they'll direct you otherwise. Yeah. So I think I kind of hold on to that of they ask me in to audition so they must want to see me otherwise why would they bother and then coming away from that and thinking the thoughts of oh well I worry that I I did this wrong or I didn't do this quite as I wanted but actually if they like what you did and you took the direction and you know you were yourself mm -hmm. and what you can offer then they'll come back to you anyway. Yeah. And more often than not, I think I, I'm beginning to realise that actually, you know, the reasons you don't get stuff is just because you just weren't the picture that they had in their head when you walked in. That's that's what I was going to ask about, actually. What do you think... What do you think people expect when you walk into the room? They've seen your... Headshot on Spotlight. Mm. They may have seen a showreel. Somebody's talked about you to them. Mm. 
what kind of picture do you think someone might have in their head of you and how do you think that actually relates in the real world to actually meeting you i think i think uh there's probably an expectation that me personally would come across as quite kind of feeble and unassuming do you think that's what comes across in your spotlight profile possibly i think it's it's so difficult to tell isn't it because i know i know what i'm like as a person yeah and i don't have that outside eye of how do other people see me necessarily but i think i think the work that i've done previously right that they'd be able to see that yeah. um i think that kind of feeds into what they would expect you use the word feeble. Feeble, like, as in... Like, someone who was selling themselves would say something like vulnerable. Yeah. But you said feeble. Why yeah. Why feeble? I don't know. I, th- I think... In all sense of the word of of being so... Small. <laughs> so you know, small. I don't know how... I don't quite know how to put it into words, I think. So... So, um, so at the back of all the action and so taking on everybody else's stuff, stuff, um, that kind of expectation of someone who carries everyone's weight yeah, on a very small frame. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And do you think that's what they get when you walk in? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but what if that's what they want? What if that's well, if that's what they want? But I think you know you can make that judgment of well as well if you've you know if you're given a script or you're given a character with a brief or whatever, you can make that judgment of oh well this character, this is how they come across. Yeah. And this is me, and I either slot into that or I don't. Yeah. Or you know I can I can slightly tweak a characteristic that I have and channel that through that character more. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I th- I think there's a there's an ongoing debate of confidence as well, which I've always had. What happens when you get validated when someone says you're great? Because that's the flip side, isn't it? Yeah. Like, all of all of that tension, all of those all of those uh, regrets. Uh, all of that, all of the kind of dealing with people not calling back or getting this kind of quite heinous feedback sometimes. Like, what happens when someone says, uh, I love you, you're brilliant? I mean, it's a massive ego boost. <laughs> it's a massive ego boost. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, but I think that's that's part and parcel of it anyway. It's, you know, that's why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, supp- I suppose... I mean, I remember saying in in two thousand and four when I uh, when I interviewed for my drama degree, mm. uh, just openly admitting to uh, a lecturer who became a who became a friend of mine and it was a great lecturer. Um, I openly admitted to her. I said, "Oh yeah, this is entirely ego driven." Yeah, <laughs> and I think that it's changed for me now mm. because I realised that when you allow that. 
it becomes the controlling force mm. and it is in danger of being toxic i'm i'm the kind of person that has kind of engaged in every conceivable way of creating some sort of content not every conceivable way but most conceivable ways mm-hmm. i haven't been a one-man band <laughs> i haven't been a professional wrestler although i want to be and i've never done pornography um aside from that i've more or less tried everything and particularly when you start making digital digital stuff the numbers become this toxic um need for validation it's dreadful it's absolutely dreadful and i had to absolutely i just had to stop doing it completely delete everything get rid of the whole thing Mm. and i wouldn't let myself do anything until i thought i could try to operate without ego now of course everybody operates with ego but i now am really conscious and i very very heavily police myself Mm. now what the consequence of that for me was i couldn't ever take a compliment Mm. because i would have to try to gainsay it because i had to keep my ego in check yeah now i do that game saying in my head and just say thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> so you yeah. receive the compliment with grace. Yeah. But but then you have to I say you, I have to to try to kind of steel myself against getting addicted to it. Yeah. Um I have to look at that compliment in context. Who are they? What is their experience of me? Mm-hmm. What is their experience of everything before me? Mm. And in in a very, in, in, in quite a sad way, I suppose, I have to say, what value does their opinion really have to me? Mm. And uh, sorry for people who compliment me. This is just the truth. <laughs> when you say nice things to me, I judge you. <laughs> yeah. I say, is this compliment worthy to feed my ego and i don't do that because i want to judge you i do that because i have to control my ego because it's fucking massive (laughs) it's enormous it's enormous but it's very 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 fragile Mm. so just trying to stay balanced Mm. between the rejection and the validation is impossible i tried to do a bit of the jobbing thing i tried i had a i had a i had a skype interview for a uh, directing job i didn't get it um uh someone else i know got it um someone who has directed both of us got it i think actually Mm. um and i had one uh audition in london for a touring shakespeare uh, I didn't make the cut on the on the uh, on the audition, and after I'd done that, I was like, "I don't need this." <laughs> so I just stopped doing it. Yeah. I stopped doing it. I I considered making some self tapes. I was on Spotlight for a year. I I'm not represented, uh, and I've no I've no plans to be until. Uh, my career reaches kind of an uh, an extra level, an, uh, another level as as an artist. I'm not going to seek representation uh, for the time being, but that, like, just having that little taste mm. and dealing with that rejection was enough for me. Because mm. I thought, if that's what it's like, 
especially considering the time, the resources, the effort you put into doing these things. Yeah. Like, you just have to graft. And I have to get, I had to get myself into a position as a, as, as an artist of any medium to just say to myself and to anybody else, I do it because I do it. Yeah. And thanks for the compliment. But if I allow that to mean anything to me, I won't be able to do it anymore. Yeah. That's the thing. I think you have to, to do any of it, you have to want it. And I think it becomes very clear to you very quickly how much you want that and how much you don't want that. And it's time to stop Mm -hmm. when it stops being enough of a driving force. So what keeps you, what keeps you doing that? And you've had a degree of success, you know, you, you, you have worked, you are working, you just got a job this morning. Brilliant. Well done. (laughs) Um, What keeps you, what keeps you doing that? I think it's because I, that sounds so corny, but I don't feel like I fit anywhere else. I've never felt like I fitted anywhere else. And this for me is like the ultimate, okay, I can do this. Yeah. This is what I, this is what I was made to do. Um, (laughs) But I think it's, it's just something that's never... I've never really fully considered anything else because really? it just felt so right from the very beginning. Interesting. From the minute I started doing it, I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. The, that's interesting because I, I think I felt that as soon as I really kind of got into it, I felt like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is This is all I ever want. Yeah. But I tried for years and on multiple occasions to not do it yeah to just to just not need to do it to Mm -hmm. just to do something else Mm. and I never found anything that didn't make me feel like I was just losing a piece of my soul every day yes yeah I think there's you know there's you have to find other stuff that you want to do Mm. But like you, I've never found anything that quite matches up to that. Oh, There's yeah, other no, things nothing, I can nothing, do, but... Yeah, nothing comes close. Yeah. Nothing does. So, right. <laughs> let's talk about people who are ignorant and narrow-minded. Okay. Because they're the best people to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've started this this whole train of conversation on a uh, on a on a defensive note, but I think I think well, it's it says here in the notes that I wrote that you gave me that we should talk about managing the expectations of other people, yeah, <laughs> uh, like outside and inside the industry. So when you so let's let's work with and uh, let's work work through an example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we can role play; it will be brilliant. <laughs> um, you meet someone and they are okay. What what would you what would you rather describe? Someone who's in the industry or someone who's outside the industry? Both. 
Let's okay. start with the outside. Let's start with someone outside the industry, right? You meet them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they say, what do they say? They say, what do you do? They say, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And by which they don't mean, what do you do, right? They they mean, how do you earn money? Mm-hmm. That's what they mean. They don't mean anything else. Mm-hmm. They that That's the only thing that is on their minds and they don't even know it. Yeah. How do you make money? And you say... I'm an actor. You say, <laughs> I'm an actor. <laughs> so, what are the... Uh, what what's the general kind of pattern of responses that irritates you? Why why did why did you want to cover this? Because this this is something that you wanted to talk about, and I I think this is interesting that you wanted to talk about it. I want to know what it's like for you. I I think so. It slightly changed for me. Um, the very very early stages of my career, mm-hmm. um, I had people who I'd never even met before, telling me that it's a waste of time. And why am I not doing something to contribute to society? (laughs) Which was a phrase that was thrown at me by one person in particular. Oh, I wonder who that might be. Who then offered me a job at the place that he worked at to, to feel like I was doing something beneficial for people. But then my argument was, okay, what are you going to do when you get home? And his response was, oh, I don't know, probably watch some TV. Like, well, there's a service that wouldn't be provided to you. Without people like me. Without people like me. Um, So, um, but no, I I think it's... So you're literally struggling with someone who, although they continue to consume exactly this, and they pay for it, they probably have Sky TV. Yeah. Right? So they're paying... 40 quid a month yeah. and 150 quid a year for a TV license. Yeah. And they probably spent a grand on a TV. Yeah. Right. To consume all of this stuff, that is, per their argument, <laughs> fundamentally worthless to society. Yeah. Yeah. How do you then, how how do you feel when you're faced with that continually? Because I, I, like, I get that too. I, 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 I don't necessarily deal with it continually like face to face Mm. but there always feels like there's some sort of undercurrent that oh yeah but yeah but what do you but what do you actually do yeah what do you actually do like what but what's what what's the real thing that you do because this is all make-believe you're just you're just pretending aren't you what's your real job what's your real job right um yeah I I I don't think maybe it's partly why I want to talk about it because I don't think I've ever quite known how to deal with it and I find myself getting so frustrated and it's probably a need for validation in myself yeah to justify why I'm doing it mm-hmm. all the time yeah. to people who don't care about me yeah i don't necessarily care about them but i still feel the need to be feeling like i'm doing something worthwhile with my life yeah and that's 
and that is entirely a, a, a social construct born of the the world that we live in now. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing something that earns lots of money, you can't possibly be doing anything worthwhile. Yeah. You can't. It's impossible because yeah. you'd be earning loads of money. Yeah. Right. These are the same people. The the people who would say yeah, but what you re- what do you really do? Yeah, are the same people that would call Judy Dench a national treasure. Yeah, well, she does the same fucking <laughs> she thing. She does the same thing. She does the same yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, she just gets paid more for it. Yeah. She's been doing it longer. Yeah. And she got into it when it was easier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. not to knock her. She's no, she's good at what she does. Fantastic. She's good at what she yeah. does. National treasures doing things that are fundamentally worthless maybe that's the society. answer maybe <laughs> when somebody says what do you do just say i'm a national treasure <laughs> i'm a national treasure in waiting yeah. <laughs> i'm on the waiting yeah. I'm, I'm working on my knighthood i'm, wor- I'm working on my obe <laughs> working on my application <laughs> right now <laughs> really long form yeah so long so takes years difficult. They only hand them out like once a year. Yeah, so. it takes a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so inside the industry, inside, inside of the industry is different. Industry. Yeah, because because it takes a special level of double think to to start getting elitist within the industry. Because anyone who's in the industry that isn't privileged enough to have just walked into it, which mm. you know, <laughs> funnily enough, there's quite a few of those people. Yeah. So inside the industry. You meet someone who is like, what job would they do? What 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 do they do in the industry? Uh, I think for me personally, it's usually other actors. Other actors saying, so what have you got coming up? Oh, what coming up? Yeah, I've uh, I've stopped asking that question. Yeah, because I don't like it being asked of me. And then you're like. going to the cinema next week (laughs) 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 going to see my friend for lunch Uh, oh god Uh, my tax return Um, (laughs) how about you well I'm just starting a new Netflix series oh Oh, great oh that's why you asked (laughs) exactly why you asked (laughs) fuck you and your success we're not bitter we're not we wish everybody every success except for the rich ones they can fuck off (laughs) they're already rich they don't need any more validation Um, okay okay uh, working class chip on my shoulder hello I'm Tom's chip I make you really angry about socioeconomics. <laughs> Sorry, he's there all the time. Uh, he get he he gets in my ear. It's it's difficult to. Yeah, I see him. I'll flick him off. <sighs> he's gone. So uh, to move on from uh, from that, I suppose. Well, actually, no, we haven't really we haven't really actually covered it properly. We just about about people. Um, <laughs> so in the industry. Do you think that person doesn't think you're an actor? What, or do they just make you feel like that? Um, I think it's... I don't know. I, I feel like there's some kind of outward support that's happening at the moment. Outward? Yes. Yeah. 
and building people up. But actually, the competition is still simmering underneath yeah, the surface. And actually, like... it's like, well, I'm comparing myself to you because I need to be better than you, because I am better than you, because I'm the best actor in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you will, but I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it's a bit of that oh I really liked your performance I could have done it yeah. better why was I not seen for this role <laughs> but what else but what else what, how does it affect you when that happens right I'm just going to shift myself so I can lean back a bit how does it how does it affect you like what like it's it's like it's your it's your subject right so the, the question is how do you how do you manage your how how do you manage their expectations um and i think really um i don't really i don't really think that that really matters what i'm more interested in on your part is that when you have conversations like that what does it do to you yeah what does it do to you how how does that affect the way you feel about your work i think that's it i think it's hearing what they're expectations are and then thinking well what are my expectations what do i expect for my life right and is this comment going to question or comment going to affect me in a negative way or am i going to use this and say well actually look at all the stuff i have done Mm -hmm. and look at where i'm going and look at where i am now um and that's okay and i think also I always say it to friends who are having a bit of a crisis of confidence, but a thing about time um, that I also need to start taking on myself of Mm. you have to go at your own pace. Yeah. And things will happen to you when they happen to you. Yeah. And that's okay. That's really important. That's really, really important. And it's good that you've realised that. I suppose at at this point in your career, at this point in your life, yeah, um, being twenty six, right? Yeah. Um, just for uh, everyone's reference, uh, playing age much younger. Much younger. <laughs> can play twenty six. Can also play sixteen. Can also play five. <laughs> <laughs> can also play five. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I'm thirty eight, so that's like, that's incredibly important for me to know because. Yeah. I'm nowhere near my kind of zenith at all. I'm very, very much moving in this like very, very slightly upward trajectory, just mm-hmm. taking these little steps mm-hmm. because I've been trying to figure out what on what earth direction uh, to go in to, 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 to reach the height that I want to. Mm-hmm. And I'm finally kind of getting to, getting to grips with what direction I'm going to take and what kind of artist I'm going to be Mm. and like when I was 30 I was utterly distraught because Mm. I'd done nothing yeah I'd done nothing I'd learned so much I knew so much I had I had I had really got to a point where I thought I know what I'm doing I I I can do this if if only I had a way of doing it and I just couldn't work it out and I just felt well, like I turned 30 and I felt like my life was utterly passing me by and it was the most depressing thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And for years, my birthday was the saddest time of year. I got I got deeply depressed. I got I got ill mm. a lot. Um, 
I couldn't cope with it. I couldn't cope with getting older because I just felt like I was going nowhere. Mm. And I just had to accept. And the, the, the nasty irony is I now accept that that process is long and that process is really slow, mm-hmm. like really slow. I've been on this trajectory maybe just about since 2016. Mm. So three years and I, you know, just got my first bit of public funding. I'm getting a show on that's got a reasonable amount of profile locally. Um, I've done a good bit of R&D for something like really progressive and really interesting. Essentially, I'm at a point now where I never thought I'd be eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I I just didn't know it'd take this long. Yeah. And if you know that now, like 12 years before I figured it out, then you're winning because it just is like that. You just have to pick a direction and really slowly just climb that awful mountain of rejection and 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 toil so i suppose the most important way of coping is knowing that whatever anyone asks you you know where you're at and where you're going Mm -hmm. and you don't have to explain that to anybody yeah exactly and i think also selecting what you do because i found at the very start of my career i worked a lot very quickly yeah but i was saying yes to stuff that i didn't necessarily want to do right and now i'm at that stage where i think if i don't want to do it i'm not going to do it because mm. how's that going to make me happy or creatively fulfilled or yeah feel like i've achieved something yeah is, um, it, is it going to is it going to help you on the on the path to glory? On the path, well, this is this is it. I'll never know. Um, but you pick your steps. You pick your steps, mm. and I think you know my my work has slowed down, but I don't feel like it's because I'm not good enough or no one wants me. I'm just being more selective about what I want to do. Yeah, and that's okay as well. That's okay don't need to fill my time with things that i don't really want to do like do you really do you think about the target do you ever think about the top now yes yeah yeah i still do but i um i don't i don't um like everything i'm doing i'm not aiming up there i'm just aiming for the next thing the the next next step step. yeah just that next step that's all that matters to me just that next little step yeah because that, that will happen as long as I keep doing those steps. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can't get to the top of a ladder without taking each step. Unless you're Jackie Chan. Unless you're Jackie Chan. But there's not many Jackie Chans, so... There's only one Jackie Chan. Yeah. There is a Tony Jar though. I'm not sure he even needs ladders. He's well good. Also, he's very good with his elbows. Maybe this is the answer. Famous for flying through the air with elbows. I wish I could be famous for flying through the air with elbows. That man is a legend. <laughs> that's the next step in your ladder. Elbows. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so that's what it's like trying to have a career. Yeah. Let's talk about how you actually do it. 
the the action of acting. How do you do it? How do you the a- actual action of acting is uh, is something that everybody thinks they know uh, how to do, and everybody does it differently. And lots and lots of people say I have the correct method, and they uh, they charge people to be taught yeah. their method. And lots of things work for some people, and some things work for lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things work for nobody. What do you do? What do I do? What do you do in the, like in terms of in terms of the, the the basic action of acting? Acting. What are the main concerns for you? Um. Well, I think. Uh, if I'm given a script, yeah. I tend to be the kind of person who will go through it quite thoroughly. Right. Um, when you say go through it, uh, what do you do with it when you're going, going so through it? So I, I work with objectives. Oh, right. For each line. Oh, really? I work with an overarching objective for the scene a super objective super objective as we like to call them uh-huh. and um i will work out the kind of emotional prep that may feed into that scene through something that's happened in my life okay um, so you use so emotional I, memory to a degree to a degree something that i can relate to mm-hmm. in that scene um, and I would work out my own objective as a person, not just as a character. Right. What do I want to achieve by the end of this scene? Okay. Um, what does what does that mean? What might you want to achieve? What might I want to achieve? Yeah. So I might want to... So a character may want to change somebody else's opinion by the end of the scene. Uh-huh. And my own objective... Yeah is to have found a coherent and effective way of doing that. Right. For example. Okay. Um, I mean that would change scene to scene. Okay. So when you when you talk about your objectives like in every line, is that is that akin to a- actioning actioning basically yes really um uh, but i think i i would do it in quite a loose way i mean i don't i try not to destroy a script mm-hmm. and they will change quite fluidly if you know you're working on a scene and somebody presents you with something different mm-hmm. that's always going to change because right. otherwise you know you're not listening you're not responding yeah um but I think fundamentally finding out, you know, what does the character want? Yeah. What don't they want? What do they do if they get it? What if they do if they don't get it? So how do you, like, what makes your work good? What's what's important about the work that you do that's good? Like, uh, I think I tend to work with precision. And uh, go into as much detail of yeah. creating the world that I'm living in, yeah. and the character that I am being, uh-huh. portraying, performing, whatever you want, 
Um, so within that, within um, your kind of imaginative creation, how do you stay vulnerable enough to it for it to be real enough whilst maintaining kind of your own sense of control and safety and and, and making sure that you're not um you're not actually personally affected by it i think knowing what you're afraid of um and knowing what you want not necessarily in a an ultimate goal in life but um you know something that you want to happen and also i think that's partnered with knowing what you're afraid of and what you're scared of so in are you talking about in the real world or in the in the real in the, world in the real world you yeah. you kind of you're you're in a process of kind of making peace with your real fears yes and and desires yeah and managing them so you so i suppose i suppose the the technique is is making sure that you've achieved a level of self-awareness yeah so that you're not blindsided by anything that that happens yeah when you're playing yes and also not being afraid to express them and access them yeah and you have to give a hundred percent all of the time but as you said with this level of self-awareness you can switch that off at the end of the day yeah you can feel it and then you go home yeah you can you can feel it and go i felt that yeah (laughs) and that's okay and that's it and And that's that's done now yeah yeah i think my um something i've learned in the in the last couple of years is it has been has been about the the duality of of acting and about how um about how all actors i mean this is very very basic this is chapter quite literally chapter one or even the introduction of an actor prepares like actors know what they're doing isn't real mm-hmm. um any any actor that that thinks it's real is insane yeah um and so th- this kind of duality is, is, has been established for a really long time but a new thing for me in kind of balancing that is the audience now that could be it doesn't matter whether it's a film set or anything else usually there are people present yeah often you are performing at the very least to a director in rehearsal or or otherwise there's someone there and in fact even the actors in the room with you who are in the moment with you you know they're real people too yeah and i remember being told you're in this room we're sat here watching you mm mm-hmm we we're not going anywhere that's okay yeah and it's so grounding to to be able to really ingest that and it was something that i managed to kind of process and and work into my into my psychology very quickly i think it's because prior to prior to that i'd indulged myself in some stand-up comedy Mm. which is really literally just you and the audience Mm -hmm. and there's no escape and you have to make that okay with yourself otherwise you will fail yeah well actually you don't always fail even if you don't sometimes you can be funny and self-conscious but i did it so that i could learn literally just 
actually I did it for lots of reasons I did it because it was deeply cathartic <laughs> um but I but I I continued to do it because I found that I could stand in front of people and I would be a character I would often do I would often have certain types of conceit mm-hmm. with the the character that I was the person that I was on stage I wouldn't just be me sometimes I am sometimes I'm not but I would always know it's me and them mm-hmm. and then I started acting and I thought oh yeah it's just me and them. <laughs> and those guys over there, but yeah. Yeah. And that made it so much easier for me. Yeah. The whole thing just all fell into place when I was just told, oh, yeah, we're here. It's fine. Yeah. Like, we're li- that it's literally what we're here for, so. This is the setup of yeah. the thing. Yeah. It's very grounding. And you can yeah. do all sorts of things, and you can be so much freer if you just go, oh, it's fine, I'm still in a room. Yeah, and I think it's a trust thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, you have it's, to trust your, your your other actors. You have to trust your other actors, and you have to trust yourself as well, not yeah. to run away with yourself. I yeah, think. absolutely. But it's very liberating. Yeah. That, n- like, not having the tension between the two and just just really being able to live with those two things at the same time comfortably is the healthiest way to work, yeah. I think. So you are um, an actor in lots of things, um, film and theatre, and occasionally uh, advertising. Mm. So I made an advert with a friend of mine who who makes adverts, and I remember him giving me some direction on the thing that I had to do, mm-hmm. and it was a really small thing, and I felt deep pressure. <laughs> like a lot of pressure and he didn't give me a lot to work with and I never quite I never quite gave him exactly what he wanted it was enough that the advert was 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 good because the writing was was good in in as much as an advert can be good but it was good Mm. um but you know he knows filmmaking Mm. he knows how to run a shoot yeah um and knowing how to do that is what filmmakers learn and I don't think all filmmakers learn kind of being an actor handler directing mm-hmm. actors is something that not all film directors do and 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 certainly not all commercial directors do mm. and I think there's probably a kind of a type of actor that can walk onto an advertising set and just be like okay I'm doing advertising now mm. and they know to offer as much as they can offer mm. and do all the adverty things <laughs> and the director really doesn't have to do very much mm. it seems that it seems that a lot of actors on any film set have to do a lot of the work themselves how do you, how how has that been for you when you've you when you've worked on uh maybe short films or adverts and you're just you're just given a direction you come in this door you do this you look over here it's like this yeah I think because it's so quick, it's just a case of being on it all the time. Yeah. And telling a story in 10 seconds for an advert. How do you do that? And it's, I mean, the the process of filming a commercial, from my own experiences of it, um, I mean, there's there's one I did about five years ago. was all improvised. I worked for about 20 minutes that day. 
Really? Yeah. And that was it. Um, and then another one that I did that was probably the shortest one I've ever done Mm -hmm. took two days to film it yeah Um, and it's you know it's shot by shot is offering as much as you can offer so do you would you go through that ad script and kind of action your shots even if you haven't got dialogue like I'm doing this and I'm going to do this Mm. or do you it would probably be a case of um so like a technique that i was taught uh when i was making a short film several years ago was that and it feeds back into meisner's teaching um is that everything falls under the category of either happiness sadness or anger right they are the three kind of umbrella emotions Mm -hmm. so i would prepare usually um, like a stock prep mm-hmm. for each of those emotions oh, right. with something in my life that makes me feel at the top peak of each of those emotions. Okay, right. And, you know, going into a commercial audition, for example, yeah. and you've got to be on it straight away um, using that. So coming prepared feeling those things that yeah. I know I need to be feeling. Yeah. Um, usually, you know, in a commercial, it's like, yeah, I love this product. Well, yeah, usually it's happiness, it, right? Yeah. yeah. So usually that's what I would go in with. Yeah. Um, and that seems to have worked for me so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, using that kind of approach of having stock things in your head. Right. That you can you revisit them, you come back to them mm-hmm. because they may change depending on you know how your life pans and that, out. Yeah, and that's how you add a kind of bit, a little bit of uh, realness to to those kind of two, three seconds that you get yeah. on camera. Yeah. Have you like seen the same? Like, have you seen people more than once at different auditions, or mm. are there just so many people that? They could never repeat themselves. There's so many people. I guess, yeah, probably a couple of people I've run into yeah. once or twice. But, I mean, you know, with a commercial audition, for example, you mm. may get several hundred. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, because they're auditioning um, things for like, uh, do this for two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. And it's, you know, uh, depending on... They tend to be that they'll be casting for the whole thing and yeah. they might not know what they want rather than, you know, a, a film yeah. or a TV or, yeah, yeah. you know, where you're going in for a specific character. Mm. Yeah. This is not the end, it's just a little bit. We'll be back in a second. Malice that you said that. <laughs> I really did, didn't I? Must be more trash. <laughs> I think they know how to do this shit. Scraping the barrel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fucking pathetic. Uh-huh. I've just uh-huh. recorded, by the way. Um... <laughs> Did you, are you actually recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Not, not, not the, yeah, just, just the trash bit. Um... <laughs> okay. Um... Okay, so... Let's let's talk a bit about a, a bit more about method. Mm. 
uh, not the method necessarily, um, but uh, craft what 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 we do. So you talked about what you do, uh, mm. the kind of basic routine of mining a script mm. and making decisions and and finding the the realness for you. What are your top um, acting methods? things that you are aware of have learned that don't work at all and you think is stupid yeah i mean i don't know if it's actually do you know you don't have to think they're stupid but like what what doesn't work for you yeah i think that's it i think it's every method has its place and its way of coming into being and it works for some people but i think i think in terms of um how i approach what does work for me I do it in a very loose sense of the word and I've adapted it maybe that's just pure arrogance on my part no not at all I've not taken at all. it and thought this the the rigidity of doing it in the way that it is taught does yeah. not work for me right so you have adapted it to to suit, to suit your me. brain yes that's no that I I would say that's not arrogant at all I everything that I've learned I've adapted to to use yeah. on my own terms because that's the way it works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I—I I mean, I'm aware of directors who employ a certain method of working, and it's that, um, you know, they've been taught in that way. Therefore, mm-hmm. they feel everybody should work in that way as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think I found very quickly. I think actioning a line. Yeah. Uh, in that sense, doesn't always work. Right. Because I think well, that was something I was going to say. I like I look at actioning and I and I and I've and I've been taught it, but I have always looked at it and just gone, Oh, it just doesn't seem honest. It doesn't seem real. It makes it less real to me. Yeah. That I've just written down a thing I'm gonna do for every line. It seems too prosaic. Yeah. To me. But it but to a degree it works for you, yeah? To a degree, yeah. I mean, I think I've adapted it enough in the sense that I would give myself an intention with mm. each line so that I'm going into a scene knowing that, you know, anything that you do say in life yeah. is loaded. So when you say you give, you give an intention with the line. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, say, writing those notes, you write an intention and not an action? Um. Would you say it's both? Right, okay. I think that's where I've adapted it in that sense of I I have an intention Mm. and I may action a line, you know, I I ask someone a question. Mm. But it's, I think that's too basic in a sense. Yeah. You know, you're asking someone a question. Yeah. But everything is such a grey area. Nothing's black and white. Yeah. So I think I found that that doesn't work in its simplest form, right? Which is taught quite often to people. And you also use uh, techniques of emotional memory on top of that on as top well. Of that, yeah. So you have a there. There is a there is a kind of there is an underlying Stanislavskian uh, approach or Strasbourgian. I mean, it's it's, it's that it's it's, a, it's yeah. that type of it's that. It, there, there's a piece of that type of method that actually underpins the detailed the work detail. that you do. Yeah, 
but it's paired with the kind of miasma of repetition and emotional okay you know you're coming into a scene full Mm. in that sense yeah and then you're using your Stanislavskian objectives etc etc to underpin that and I found that works for me yeah Stanislavskian and the smiles and a little squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> so, would it, would you do you think it would then be fair to say that these these different things the the truth for you about this is that these different uh, methods don't work on their own. They won't work in a vacuum for you. I don't think so. No. No. So. What have you been? What have you been? What have you been taught, or what have you been directed to do that you found unhelpful? I think there was kind of an element of being taught to stick to one method. Oh, really? Yeah, and sort of. Well, this is how it's taught in a drama school, therefore you should stick to that. Yeah. Which I I just think is bollocks, really. <laughs> to be honest. I would I would uh, <laughs> I would agree with you yeah. on that front. And I think maybe, I don't know, perhaps because where I came from in terms of a drama degree at a university rather than drama school training. Yeah, same as me. Very, very different. Exactly, it's very different, isn't it? Yeah, not not even a little bit the same. No. Um, So I think everything was sort of compartmentalised. Yeah. And, you know, this this is this section of the dramatic form yeah and you learn it you learn it as theory as much as anything else yeah um and you know that's great but actually extending that to the world of acting it doesn't always translate yeah um you know unless you're working in a very specific genre or medium or yeah and you and like if you can't tune into it absolutely and easily mm. then there's something about it that's missing for you yeah that's what i find i find that all of all of these techniques although i suspect that there there are some theories that that i that i kind of subscribe to if you if you managed to embrace them to their theoretical maximum which is of course impossible yeah you would get the absolute kind of theoretical uh perfection that that you might achieve but of course that's impossible because yeah. practically it just doesn't work like that so we all have to kind of find the the way through it mm-hmm. that all of these tools can give us mm. let's talk about directing in well now let's talk about being directed mm-hmm. you've had how many directors do you think you've worked with over your lifetime of uh work god uh i don't know estimate a lot a lot uh how many years you've been working must be so i've been working for about seven years seven years so i don't know there must be i mean i've repeated yeah directors a few times for things Uh so probably probably not as many as i'm thinking um i don't know 20 25 25 different directors what have been the best and worst kind of experiences 
Uh, you can start with the best or the worst. Uh, <laughs> in fact, start with the best because the best. yeah, because the worst is a, is a, is a, yeah will will lead us on. Right. Um, um, best, I think. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to um, specifically describe any particular event, but like, what is best for directing for you? Yeah. Um, best, I think, pushing you to your limits and then pushing you a little bit further. Right. And I think that comes with having a director who knows exactly what you're capable of. Right. So has recognised what's what's in you. What's in you. And I think that's, you know, something that people either have or they don't. Yeah. It's a people skill, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, there's been a couple of directors in particular that I've worked with over the years where, you know, they they direct you to do something in a scene and you give it everything and then they just tip you over the edge with something else. Uh It's just, you know, a suggestion that opens up a whole new world of um, what you can do and then you realise, oh, actually, what I was giving was 90%. Yeah, yeah. And then they've given you realised you had another ten yeah. percent yeah. in there because they reminded you of it. Yeah. What to to I suppose return to the the idea of being vulnerable and staying sane. Mm. What in that situation allows you to get that much further? Like, is it something about the way the director runs his room that makes you feel safe enough to do that? What What is it? Yeah. Do you I still think... feel in control? Like. Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. I think it's a case of of feeling safe and feeling secure um, and trusting them that you're going to get to the end of the day and whatever you've laid out emotionally and yeah. brought to the table yeah. is going to be is going to be finished with at the end yeah. of the day. So that um, that grounding mm. is that grounding that 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 we kind of give ourselves Mm. um that we talked about you think that is kind of in do you think that the director has a direct impact on how grounded you are yes yeah i think i don't know if it's a case of um i just haven't found ways of switching that off myself yeah or but i think 99 percent of it is the director yeah i think um and being able to feel safe and secure in what you're doing and trusting that actually the outcome is going to be for the best i see so if the director does have uh, an influence on your your level of grounding your level of safety mm. like what is it at its worst like what are the really really bad experiences like the bad ones, I think, are not knowing boundaries. Oh right, yeah. Uh, that sounds pretty kind of. When you when you say boundaries, what uh, what do you mean? As in when when the acting stops, and when the directing stops. Right. So like. And uh, do do you also mean quite like literally what what people actually do? Like, is it? Is yeah. It, are, is, does, does that pertain to actual practical boundaries? 
practical boundaries and I think emotional boundaries of okay well um this has happened in this scene and this actor has obviously brought something to that and you know going back to the whole thing about feeling safe and secure mm-hmm. it's when it's carried further of, right. oh well you did this yesterday so I want to talk about that now let's get to the heart of that right tell me your entire life story and all of your secrets and all of your traumas and you know and it, it just doesn't stop I think that's probably at its worst it sounds that sounds to me less directing and more fetishizing yeah maybe it it seems it seems pretty irresponsible yeah is that is that something that you have experienced more than once or is is that kind of thing the kind of thing you've experienced more than once or is that uh once uh, or twice yeah and do you just grit your teeth and finish the job yeah, I think you yeah. have to, and then you have to avoid it after that. Yeah, and just have you ever have it. you ever been in a rehearsal room, um, for whatever reason, and just thought I really, really just want to walk out now. I just need to leave now. Mm-hmm. And what what are the reasons that you would say are like the real triggers for you? Just really, just wanted to throw it up in the air and leave. Uh, I think not being respected. And I don't mean that in a sense of, oh, I think everybody should, you know. Yeah. But I I think there's a basic level of uh, everybody has to have an appreciation of what everybody does in that room. Yeah. Um, And kind of being treated as if your input doesn't matter or it's the wrong thing and it's you know uh an inconvenience to what somebody else is doing rather than a teamwork thing oh that sounds uh dreadful yeah so what's the worst like what's the worst situation for you that's that's been like that where you've just felt like you it just wasn't it just wasn't worth you being there uh like or at least that's how you were made to feel I think an example would probably be just a basic misunderstanding, a basic misunderstanding of what a woman's role is in uh, life okay. and how that um, has translated into a script. Right. And I think that kind of infiltrating into the rehearsal room as well of an all-male cast, all-male crew, and, oh, well, you're a woman, so... Do you really have anything to say that's worthwhile? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that experience. Oh my god. I mean that god. that's an example and I'm absolutely not saying that that extends to any other job outside this particular one. Yeah. And it's not something that um happens all the time to no. everybody but that, that has sounds, happened. I haven't, yeah. Of, of course, of course, that's never happened to me. Well, <laughs> um, uh, it's, uh, it's extraordinary that it hasn't. I think the I think the worst experiences I've had have been when I've continually just been obstructed and been left directionless, and I and I've watched all of the actors around me 
be directionless like <laughs> it, and that's got nothing to do with the director's work rate he's working yeah. very very hard yeah he's just not saying anything of consequence yeah <laughs> and everyone's working really hard and nobody knows what to do yeah and it like it's it's the absolute worst situation because what you end up getting is a frustrated director because he's not getting what he wants but he hasn't said what he wants because he doesn't know what he wants yeah yeah and, and conflicting he just, yeah and he just wishes that everyone would just 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 do it right yeah and i mean that's you know that that's that's bad directing um you've got to you've got to do better you've got to do better you've got to understand how acting works better if you want to direct people you can't just tell people well actually i say you can't just tell people no lots of directors did and and do apparently apparently this is this is a, an anecdote kind of a third-hand anecdote mm. um that i heard about bill gaskell of uh of the the late bill gaskell of the uh, national theater mm. said he would he would direct entirely in negative <laughs> <laughs> so his only direction was no yeah and so someone would walk on stage and he'd go no <laughs> and they'd walk off and they'd have to come back on again, again and, yeah. they, and he'd say no <laughs> and eventually the actor would say well, what do you want and bill said well i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but i know it's not that but it's not that yeah. yeah um that i mean that's like a deeply deeply unhelpful uh way of directing and i suppose when when you're bill gaskell uh, with the history that you have you can probably do that and and yeah. people will just tolerate it but it's like a long process oh yeah exactly it seems <laughs> it seems like you could spend a very long day on one entrance yeah <laughs> when really you could you could try something else yeah. so i suppose when we're faced with all of this all of these awful things particularly I, I suppose particularly as a as as a, as a woman in the business as well there's been a lot of talk about how women are treated in the business and, and, and rightly so. Mm. Um, and that conversation will continue for as long as sexists exist. But the whole, the whole process of trying to be a good artist seems to be continually beset with other people who are not good artists <laughs> <laughs> and other people who are good artists, but you just haven't connected with yet. Yeah you haven't you haven't figured out what they want and the real the real question the question that i always want to ask literally anyone who makes any art because you know, i know people who do sculpture and installations and and they paint and people who write and uh people who uh, do animation mm -hmm. like why do we keep why do we keep it why do it what's the point because as as most people apparently know, art is fundamentally worthless. So why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep? So my question to you is, why bother? I think because it, it's, you know, it's about self-expression, but I think it's something that everybody relates to. Everybody relates to. Everybody relates to anything that's created and oh, okay right that. so wait no let's 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 stick on that that's okay. interesting so so the the theory the thesis is everybody relates to anything that's created yeah that's a really interesting sentence is it because we all desire to be creators 
or we are creators yeah. in some manner. Well, I think we all are. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Well, that's true. So do you think that authorship of any art form, the creation of any of, of anything, a character in a book or on stage or on film, be it the actor or the writer or the director mm-hmm. or the cinematographer, any any of that, all of that creation is connected with the very fundamental truth about the basic kind of urge to create something all the time. Mm. And I suppose we're talking about procreation. Mm. I suppose I am. Like, It seems to me that what you say connects directly to having a child in the sense that I made a thing. Yeah. And this thing is going to be a really cool thing. And yeah. I made it. And I made it. That's yeah. my signature on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also just linking it to the basic psychology of being a human. In what sense? Well, I think we all have authorship of our own lives. So that drive to create the next step in your life is inherently linked to creating something artistic as well. Why? I don't know. Okay, so yeah, but why is it in your gut? In why my... do you have to do it? We we talked about we talked about it earlier like what what keeps you doing it? Really, in your gut, what's the what what is it in your lizard brain that tells you I just have to do this? It's because I don't really like myself. And what does acting do for you? And acting allows me to not to be somebody else because that's not true yeah but to i think understand the human psyche in some way and understand why i am the way i am okay so you use acting as a kind of process of self-discovery kind of yeah isn't i would i would argue i i would argue that the most the most the most telling and and uh dramatic thing you said is i don't like myself mm. and everything that you've said after that is a benefit of acting mm. but if i said is it because you really just like to play at being someone else possibly but i think it's that also that self discovery of figuring out who i am through other people you figure out who you are through other people Mm. well if that is the case then i recommend you do more plays (laughs) and less adverts yes (laughs) yes please anyone listening please (laughs) your ad work is uh, exceptional But uh, for your own sanity, uh, you'd like to do some some decent, hefty work. Yes. Yeah. Some good old work. Good old work. (laughs) Why do you do it, Tom? Oh, ah, well, um, well, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't just act, but this 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 podcast is mainly about acting. So I suppose I'll talk I'll talk about that. 
I I act for the same reason that I create anything. Um, the feeling of authorship is so cathartic. Mm. It's it's immense. A couple of years ago, I took up photography, and I started making these pictures, and I thought, oh wow, I made that. And <laughs> really, I like I it, I've got a digital camera. I I I took the picture. I did the technical things that you need to do to take a good picture. Mm. My I shoot manual, mm. um, as as they say. So I know what I'm doing with the camera. I have to do the work to get a good shot. Mm. And I put it into Photoshop and I have to make a bunch of decisions about that image. And I have to know how to use that. And even though I literally just clicked a button, and I set the settings and I clicked a button, and then I mess with a bunch of other settings, I feel immense authorship. Yeah. And that is a digital photo. So imagine the feeling that I get when I get to express so many things. Like a, one photo is one photo. You get to essentially, when you're on stage doing a thing with another person, mm-hmm. it's the most energised I will ever be. Because particularly in front of a live audience, that's that's very, very, that's very, very special, that feeling. Because... I feel like I'm making like a million things at once. Mm. Every every person in the audience sees something a little different mm-hmm. and it's something I made yeah. and it feels unbelievable to to do that. I've never been a paternal person really <laughs> and I think it's because I get all of the creative desire out in things that essentially don't exist in play. Yeah. And I'll never tire of that. You never do. Mm. And it isn't about the adulation. I used to, I used to, when I was doing amateur theatre, we would finish the show and we'd get changed really quickly to go up to the bar for everyone to congratulate us. Yeah. <laughs> now, absolutely not. Don't no. go anywhere near it. No. Absolutely not. Like on the very last night, I might go out, but I'm taking my time. Yeah. Because I don't need it. Because it will break my ego. Because it will make it massive. <laughs> and that will ruin the whole psychology of me being able to make it. Yeah. That's why I do it. Because there's there's literally no greater feeling of authorship mm-hmm. than to really be doing it with your voice and your body. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I think I just like to play. Mm. I just, I've always liked to, uh, to, to just do pretend. Yeah. Doing pretend is super fun. <laughs> like, I, like I, I play, uh, I play a, a Warhammer role play game with my friends, mm-hmm. and we do that. You know, there's a group of six of us, and we have an absolute blast. Yeah. And I put on a stupid voice and like absolutely commit to it and <laughs> it's the most fun because we're just playing yeah like and i don't really like they're my audience i suppose but i'm not really performing for them i'm playing doing it and for it's yourself. just the it's... best fun. yeah yeah so that's why i do it yay i suppose we should probably wrap it up then i think so i think we've waffled enough hey listen this <laughs> is some seriously incisive creative talk yeah. we have broke open the pandora's box mm-hmm. of acting and we have we have rummaged through its uh its old dresses and uh broken hats and we have tried them all on yep and taken pictures and 
uh, and put it all back into the box and put it in a podcast just for you, listener. And we've been so profound. Oh my God, so profound. This is the best podcast in the world. It is literally (laughs) the best podcast in the world. In the universe. Anyway. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you, Tom. We thank you all for listening, all all three of you. And we will see you next time on the best podcast (laughs) in the entire universe, (laughs) even if the rest of the universe doesn't have podcasts. Or if it does, it's still the best. Thanks, everyone. Bye! Bye! This is now definitely the end. Like and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe.